Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. This is episode 51. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling Recovery Center in Long Beach, California. If you or someone you know is struggling with any of life's difficulties, please reach out to us. I know we can help. You can find more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. Today's guest is Tom Horvath. He is one of the leading experts in non-12-step addiction treatment. He is also the founder of Practical Recovery, a non-12-step treatment center in San Diego, as well as the co-founder of Smart Recovery, a non-12-step mutual community support group. So today, Tom is going to talk about Smart Recovery, how it got founded and how it works. I really enjoyed this episode. I've had a lot of clients who have really enjoyed Smart Recovery. I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but found it very, very useful and very helpful. It resonated with them and uh, they were able to get a lot of support in their recovery. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's get it started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Tom Horvath. He is the founder of Practical Recovery and also the co-founder of Smart Recovery, a non-12-step approach to addiction support. Tom, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, Dwayne. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I am a psychologist in California, and I've been a volunteer for Smart Recovery since 1990. We're happy to see it thriving, and Practical Recovery began specializing in addiction in 1985. So both of those have been enduring projects for me, and I'm happy to have a chance to tell people about it. Awesome. Great. So let's just uh, start right off and talk about Smart Recovery and what it is. Smart Recovery is similar to the group that people typically know better, AA, in a number of ways. Its goal is to help people resolve addictive behavior problems. But its methods, at least on the surface, are very different, and they appeal to a different group of people, typically. 
SMART has a four-point program as opposed to 12 steps, and those four points summarize the main projects that people need to work on as they achieve lasting change. And those four points are maintaining motivation, coping with craving, identifying and resolving other problems, which typically contribute to the problematic addictive behavior, and achieving a greater lifestyle balance, which helps prevent the recurrence of problems. So within those four areas, motivation, craving, problem solving, and lifestyle balance, most of somebody's efforts will need to be devoted and smart through its mutual help groups and its social activities, helps people develop new ideas and techniques and tools for coping with their problems, as well as giving them a new community of people who is like-minded and fun to be with. Okay, okay. Can you tell me a little bit about, you're the the co-founder of Smart Recovery. Tell me a little bit about your motivation to start this support group, because it's pretty big now. I think it's, um, I kind of see it all over the place. Well, I hope that everybody who's listening to this podcast has a smart meeting nearby. We haven't quite achieved that throughout the country, but we are definitely going to get there. It's just a question of how long. And SMART occurred because in the middle 80s, even earlier, even a decade before, a number of people noticed that even though 12-step groups were helpful to many people, they seemed to be harmful to some. And there were others, other people who just wanted a different kind of approach. So several groups sprung up, but of these groups now, SMART has become uh, the most prominent one. And the main difference between the groups, I would say, 12-step groups and SMART, is that SMART takes a self-empowering approach, meaning that rather than admitting that you're powerless and turning your life over to a higher power, you are going to become more self-empowered, develop skills and abilities. And it's not to say that you won't still rely on other people or that you don't believe in God, as most of our participants do, but that you're going to take a self-reliant, self-controlled approach to dealing with this problem. And that, that appeals to many people. And the group of people who co-founded SMART in the early 90s decided that it was time that there was a, enough people interested in this that it was time to start this alternative group. Okay. And can you kind of go in a little bit about, for people who are listening, a little bit about that difference from like a 12-step approach to this smart approach because there your smart recovery approach because there's this kind of difference. So yes, in a 12-step approach, you work these 12 steps very closely with a sponsor with one person and you go to meetings and reorient your life and and some of that's true about smart also, but again in AA you're turning yourself over to a higher power to a group and to a sponsor. And in SMART, you're saying, let's think this through. Uh, What are my motivations to change exactly? Why might other things be even more important in the long run to me than my addictive behavior, let's say it's drinking, than my drinking is now? And people have such long-term reasons. They can learn to cope with craving or urges or desires. There's several names for this because these cravings are short-lived. They do go away. They don't force you to do anything. Craving never forced anybody to do anything. People still had to decide to do it. And the the craving itself doesn't harm you. And if you decide to stop or cut back on some substance, then 
other problems typically come back again. Typically, a substance is a way to cope. It's a way to cope with depression, boredom, anxiety, trauma, beliefs about yourself or about the world. And once you stop drinking, then these beliefs become stronger again. You don't have a way to cope with them. So you develop other ways to cope with them, which is probably the most important thing that participants in Smart Recovery learn. And lastly, over time, you try to leave a more lead a more balanced life where you're getting adequate sleep, good food, getting exercise, having social time as well as alone time, work time as well as play time. And that builds one up to the point that one could actually graduate from smart recovery or not make it a primary focus in life anymore. That might take months to years. But eventually your life, because it's so good, has become your recovery plan. And for those who need to stay involved with SMART for a lifetime, we're certainly there to do that. Some of us have been volunteering for practically a lifetime. So we think it's a great organization to be part of. And hopefully that little sketch gives people a a quick overview of some of the differences between the organizations. And of course, there's, there's still many similarities also, both Groups create a sense of community, give people new relationships, show them models of people who have been successful. So in many ways, they they work the same, but there are a number of surface features that make a crucial difference to many people. Yeah, and I've seen that as as well. Some people will go into 12-step, but it, it doesn't resonate for them and, and it doesn't feel right and so they look for these alternatives and one of the things they have a really hard time with with the 12 step is that kind of sense of you know what they say you're powerless and that becomes hard for them to wrestle with and smart recovery really looks like it does the opposite it says no wait you have to take control of this that's the direction that we are headed in and ironically people within 12 step groups often do feel empowered over time, but they don't start in that place. They start by letting go and turning it over. It's just not an approach that works for many people. If this was a psychology audience, I'd be talking about the variable of locus of control. Where do you see control being lodged in your life? And if you tend to see locus of control is outside of you, external locus of control, then it makes sense that you'll be told what to do and you'll follow directions. But many people have an internal locus of control. I'm in charge. I need to make the decisions. In truth, life is a a balance of both of those. And it's actually captured well in the serenity prayer, which is used in 12-step groups. God grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Those are outside of me and and outside of my control. Uh, Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. And we can almost always make a difference even on the things that are outside of our control. At some level, we can still make a difference in how we respond to them and adapt to them. So that's the the side, smarts focusing on the courage side rather than the serenity side, even though you need both of the serenity prayer. Okay, okay. You said, and, and you said a little bit earlier that we're going in that direction. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you've seen addiction treatment change over time as we're kind of moving forward and getting more knowledge about it? Well, one way to see this change is how many professionals are signing up for the Smart Recovery online training. It's it's astonishing. We're now training 
200, sometimes 300 people for per month. And in many months, most of them are professionals. I think professionals are realizing that many of their clients want to be very active in their recovery and they want recovery specific ideas. So just the idea that you go to meetings and maybe have good health habits and keep in touch with their sponsor isn't as much guidance as a lot of people want. So the field is moving in that direction. And so that's one change. Now, another change is that with the opiate crisis and the emphasis on medication-assisted treatment, we need mutual health groups that are very friendly to the use of medication-assisted treatment, and smart recovery certainly is. In fact, smart takes a much more flexible approach to dealing with addictive behavior than other groups because what we say to people is that you get to set your own limits about substances. So for instance, to take a typical example, someone might come in and say, I'm going to abstain from heroin and coke and meth because those have caused a huge amount of problems in my life. And I'm going to drink moderately, maybe one or two drinks a month because I don't really like to drink, but occasionally I do in a social situation. And it's not caused a lot of problems. And maybe once a week, once a month, I like to smoke a little weed and those are going to be my limits. In fact, sometimes people don't even specify the drinking or the marijuana limits in those cases because they've never been an issue. But the limits about heroin, meth, and coke are very clear, but they're going to stay on buprenorphine, suboxone. So that's something that is perfectly acceptable in smart recovery, but might not be acceptable in a 12-step group. And that gives us a lot of flexibility. Smart's slogan is discover the power of choice. So people come in and make their own choices about how they're going to change, including their own limits. They may change them because as they hear people and hear examples of people changing, they get ideas and they they make changes. The person who decided to be a moderate alcohol and weed user may decide to stop those. I've seen that happen a number of times. But the emphasis is on personal responsibility. And that emphasis seems to be resonating certainly in our groups and throughout the treatment community as well. Wow. that's I mean, I think that's really helpful to a lot of people because I've had that experience as well where people kind of come in and they want help, but they may not be ready to give up everything or they don't have maybe some of the coping mechanisms to get complete sobriety. But what you're saying is that's really up to the person to decide what that looks like. Yes. And it acknowledges the reality that for most of us in most changes in life, change is a process. It takes time. It's something we do little by little. And it's a big step forward for someone to say, I'll go on Suboxone, I'll stop heroin, coke, and meth, and I'm just not even going to think about alcohol, weed, or let's say cigarettes later. And in fact, this is to me an interesting irony, if somebody uses the concept of chemical dependency, which is a term you sometimes hear, then you're going to be abstinence from a chemical dependency perspective if you've stopped all of the major psychoactive substances, so alcohol, heroin, coke, meth, etc. But not nicotine, not 
overeating, not gambling, not pornography, not video games, etc. So even if someone says, well, I'm abstinent as a chemically dependent person, they actually haven't gone as far as they might go. And you often see people who claim to be chemically dependent and abstinent, but having lots of other problems with other substances and activities, smoking is the most likely one to kill them. So what we in Smart Recovery have emphasized is this concept of ideal recovery as opposed to real recovery. If you're around the recovery community, you'll hear this concept, Suboxone is not real recovery, or moderation with alcohol, that's not real recovery. And instead, we say, that's a kind of all or none thinking. It's not helpful. Rather, let's focus on ideal recovery, which maybe none of us will ever achieve, but we all hopefully are moving in that direction, and that's the direction that that we promote in a SMART meeting. And I I just want to add one more point about this. The SMART meeting itself doesn't focus on choosing your limits. That's something you more or less do on your own. In the meeting, we focus on staying within the limits you've chosen because staying within the limits is a task that unites all of us. It allows everybody in this meeting to come together and focus on how to cope with craving, how to solve problems, how to maintain motivation, how to achieve lifestyle balance, whether we're abstaining from chocolate chip cookies, uh, which is my own personal issue sometimes, abstaining from alcohol or cutting back on whatever. It's all about staying within some limits that you've established and allows us to be a a fruitful community. So can you talk a little bit, because it sounds like... um kind of a more harm reduction approach, if that. Can you kind of address that? And, and, and is that part of it as well? That's a term that unfortunately has become divisive. So I, I tend to shy away from it, but it would be fair and, and accurate to say that this is a harm reduction approach. But again, in SMART, our emphasis is on now that you've set some limit for yourself, How do you stay within it? So we're not there to talk about how to inject safely, where the best safe injection facilities are, where the cleanest drug supplies are, because that's focusing on using. We're focused on stopping. That's something of a difference. But ultimately, as long as you understand that abstinence is part of the harm reduction continuum, then yes, smart recovery is harm reduction oriented. Okay, and so it's really helping people with a very, when, when I hear it, it's kind of like a cognitive-based behavior model. Would that be accurate as well? Like um, these, these are the tools that you're pulling into smart recovery. It's from like um, some uh, cognitive behavioral interventions and, and stuff like that? Yes, that's correct. So when we started operating under the name Smart Recovery in 1994, and we had split off from a prior organization called Rational Recovery, we needed to be clear about what we were doing and why we were doing it. And we, at the foundational level, said we are going to be founded on scientific evidence and we will evolve as the scientific evidence evolves. There are now a number of psychological treatments and medications for addiction problems. And we try to draw on those adding that they need to be workable in a mutual help group. Obviously, we don't prescribe medications in a mutual help group. 
We don't do behavioral couples therapy in a mutual help group. And they need to be self-empowering because 12-step facilitation, which is an approach to treatment uh, coordinating with 12-step groups, is also an evidence-based treatment for addiction, but it's not self-empowering. So if it's in the scientific literature and it's self-empowering and it works in a mutual help group, then it's eligible to be included in a smart recovery meeting. And because our facilitators, now thousands of them, are themselves very interested in psychology and self-improvement, they read a lot and they bring in ideas and techniques from dialectical behavior therapy, DBT, acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT, and other forms of treatment and emerging forms of treatment. So if it, if it makes you stronger and more capable at some point, it might be discussed um, in a SMART meeting. And it, I'll add, there are lots of things that help people change, like sleep and exercise and nutrition that are foundational, but they don't have a place in a mutual help group. We don't exercise together. Although a, a local community could um, decide, as we've done in San Diego from time to time, we have yoga classes. So it's not a SMART meeting, but it's a community activity. So yes, if it comes together in that way, self-empowering, science-based, and workable in a mutual help group, then it, it potentially could be discussed in a smart recovery meeting. So bringing in, uh, so kind of going, like bringing in the, the newer, um, I, don't wanna, I don't know if it's newer's writer, but more recent research that'll, that can be incorporated into smart recovery. So can you kind of talk a little bit about how smart recovery has kind of evolved what you've seen because when did you when was smart recovery founded again it was back in the you said the 80s so that's quite a lot of time right the precursor organization was rational recovery which was based on a combination of rational mode of behavior therapy by albert ellis and some of the ideas of the founder jack trimpey as expressed in his books and when the nonprofit was incorporated and then spun off and changed its name in 1994 at the time, we were mostly using cognitive behavioral tools and rational mode of behavior therapy, REBT. Since then, we have added a greater appreciation for the role of medication. We didn't not appreciate it at the beginning, but medication has become more prominent in recent years. And we've added a, a greater motivational focus because motivational interviewing has become so important in the field. And CBT has evolved with, we have this alphabet soup with DBT and ACT. And as those evolutions keep occurring, we'll probably incorporate many of those ideas as well. SMART doesn't look radically different from when it got going in 94, but it's only 25 years. And some of these changes take a while. If we looked at SMART in 50 years, it might well look rather different. There are for instance, emerging focuses on the cognitive biases like confirmation bias that we could use to help people change their thinking. There's an entire new approach based on fostering the pro-social emotions of gratitude and authentic pride. I'm forgetting the third one right now. And these pro-social emotion focuses might become a, a a part of smart recovery as well. So we could go in a number of directions because perhaps another foundational idea is that there are multiple pathways to recovery, which is hopefully the way the field will come together and support multiple pathways. And even within smart recovery, there are multiple pathways to do smart 
inside smart. There are some people who are highly focused on a set of tools that we teach and other people who are just more interested in being part of the community. So we need to appreciate the diversity of the ways in which people change. And smart's an important part of that, but not the only part. There are other ways that people change as well. Right. And um, talking about uh, the community aspect of it, one of the things that, you know, when I'm working with individuals and they're in recovery is, is I find that a lot of times any kind of community that they can get attached to can be really positive in motivation, positive in healing. Sometimes when things are difficult, it's great to have other people there who understand what addiction is like. So it sounds like uh, smart recovery is another way to kind of create that as well in an environment that people feel comfortable in. You just gave a great summary of how community works. Okay. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Save me the effort of doing that. Right. And in fact, AA and SMART and any effective mutual help group, they're probably all equally effective, and there's now some data to show that, works in that fashion. And so one way to describe the differences is that on the surface, these groups look different. So people get attracted to one versus another. And a lot of it's just proximity. I don't know If you've got AA meetings very close to your house and they're okay with you, you have no reason to go farther away to find a smart recovery meeting. But for some people, the differences are important. But whenever you get into the group and attached to it, they all may work in roughly the same way by, by the processes of community that you just described. Right. And usually what I'm recommending to people when they're looking is like, find some community because it's helpful. And I find a lot of people, they may do AA and NA, and then they may do SMART as well, or they may do some of the other communities like LifeRing or SOS. And But I find it, I think that community is really helpful also in, in helping people. You know, there's a lot of shame that comes with addiction too. A lot of people feel bad about the choices they've made and, and, uh, just being around other people who can be supportive and in and of itself can really help people heal. That's exactly true. Again, very well stated. And as to the shame issue, it is a very significant issue. In SMART, we don't encourage people to dismiss it entirely because it is motivating. But we also want them to consider how a strong focus on shame and guilt doesn't actually allow you to move forward. And the most important thing to do is move forward. The people in your life or the people in the world will benefit most if you get your life together and move forward. If you stay stuck in shame and guilt, you can't be as powerful a contributor to the human community. So you may not get over it entirely, and that's not necessarily bad. I think all of us have shame and guilt about things we've done. I mean, certainly I do. But I try to put that in the background and in the foreground, I'm focused on what it is that I can do to make life better for other people and, and for myself. And, and that's, the, that's the focus that we're encouraging. And kind of moving that forward and, and having that uh, meaning and that purpose of uh, helping others becomes a big part of that as well. And, and that is also part of the group is being able to, to do that. And it sounds like you do that as well with all of your work. Yes. 
Yes, completely. Awesome. Tom, I, I want to thank you for coming on. How can people get more information about you or, or find out more, more about you if they want more information? Well, I, let me give three websites. The National Smart Recovery website is very simple, smartrecovery.org. And it's gotten to be a very big website, so you have to be patient and wade your way through it. If you happen to be in San Diego, then you want Smart Recovery SD for San Diego, smartrecoverysd.org. And to learn more about me specifically and my company, go to practicalrecovery.com because we are a a psychology practice specializing in addiction. So those would be the the three places. Uh, And if you forget the websites, just Google Smart Recovery or Practical Recovery and all that stuff will pop up as well. And I'll put that all in the show notes as well so everybody can get that information. So anybody who's listening out there, what would be your message to them if they're struggling or someone they know is struggling? What message would you want to give them? Well, in the big picture, it is important to remember that there are as many ways to recover as there are people, that persistence is probably the most important virtue as it is in much of life. So if what you're doing now isn't working, find something else. Most people actually do resolve these problems. It's very important to know that. You need to stay alive until you do. So being on Suboxone, for instance, uh, buprenorphine might be quite helpful. And there will be many stages in the recovery process if you've had problems for a long time, if your problems are shorter. They may resolve relatively quickly. And if you're, again, if you're not happy with the way things are working out, try something new because persistence and finding the right approach uh, will ultimately get most people there. So it's, it's something to be hopeful about, even though the problems may have been pretty significant at one time. I think that's uh, so well said. It's like, just keep, keep looking for what's going to work. Don't give up. Yes keep going forward and uh, there's so much different help out there now for people who are struggling and um, Tom thank you so much for for coming on and and putting this together and and talking about smart recovery I just really appreciate it Dwayne thank you very much for the opportunity All right, everyone, thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. The show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 51. Now, if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. That really does help and it really gets us a lot of exposure and I really appreciate it. And one more message that I want to leave. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, don't give up. Find the help that works for you. If something isn't working, try something different. Just keep moving forward and keep reaching out. All right, everyone, have a wonderful day and I will talk to you next week. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. 
Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.